Well, hello there. We are back with another episode of Tango Banter. I am Yelizaveta, your host, and I am freshly back from a Tango Marathon in Las Vegas where I got to banter with many of you in person, face to face, which I really enjoy. And uh, so many of you have been sharing with me either in person or by email and instant messaging how encouraged and empowered you feel from listening to Tango Banter, which really warms my heart. And I love hearing the various ways that this podcast is perhaps helping you and um, maybe even guiding you in some of your tango journeys. So feel free to reach out and share with me some of your inside some of your ahas you can find me on social media uh, through instagram facebook my handle is i'm so tango i am s o tango you can also email me at connect at i'm so tango.com so today's topic is particularly powerful for me and i can banter on this topic for many, many hours because I really love teaching. That's kind of my thing. And today's topic is why is tango so difficult to learn? Tango is described as very difficult from the very beginning. And I've had a really difficult time uh, when I first started and I've heard many other people share their grief and uh, grievance about that. And so I thought I would spend a little bit of time unpacking some of the challenges that we face when we start learning tango, why we're having such difficulties, and um, how can we perhaps make it a little easier. So as I said, teaching is kind of my thing. I've whether I like it or not, I think I was in denial about this for a long time, but teaching is just something I was given when I came into this world. And I frequently joke that I end up teaching anything I learn. So I've taught uh, art for many years. I have a, a master's in fine arts as well as a master's in art history. And that was my path for a long time. I was a, a professor in college. Uh, heading down the tenure track, but struggling as an adjunct professor teaching at multiple campuses. And then I also taught yoga for many years, uh, for about at least 10 years. I was an active teacher, and uh, the way I am about tango now, that was my world when I was teaching yoga. And... Um, you know, eventually I started teaching tango as well, uh, but I'm not going to dive into teaching tango quite yet. I want to talk more about the learning, the learning process, which has been really fascinating to me. And um, the thing that I really um, thrive on is understanding how to show something to someone in such a way that they can understand it. There's an art to it, right? Because we're all different. Everybody learns very differently. And um, for me, learning things is just something 
I've been doing all my life. And I consider something learned when you can teach it to someone else. So you can understand something conceptually, but that doesn't mean really that you can teach it to someone. In order to teach it to someone, you really have to kind of grasp it from multiple levels. You have to know the big picture and you have to be able to kind of turn it inside out and describe it from inside out as well. So that's what I consider something when, when you've learned something, when you can do that. You can show it to someone, you can explain why it's like that. And so when I started yoga that I started about uh, over 20 years ago, I got into it because of an injury and I, I'd never done it before. I was teaching yoga within a year. Somehow I just, I just understood it. I understood why it is the way it is. It was very natural and I felt very confident explaining it. Uh, and so I proceeded to have a career in teaching yoga for many years. But when I dove into tango, it was like I didn't understand anything. I was in the dark and I remained in the dark for the majority of my years so far. I've been dancing since 2009 and I feel like for the per first probably, I don't know, six, six or seven years I was kind of in the dark. I mean, even, even when I started teaching, there was a period that I was still kind of in the dark and I really didn't understand why. I didn't understand why it was taking me so long to get it, to be able to explain things. So I started tango, like many of you, my listeners, I started tango as a follower. And as a follower, you've had this experience. You go to a class, and it's filled with various levels of dancers. And there's usually a very structured, traditional structure uh, to the class. The leaders are taught a leading pattern, and then the followers are taught to follow that pattern. And that's basically what I experienced for the first, um, I would say, five, five years of my dancing. And um, it was fine, you know, it wasn't like I intended to teach tango. I actually, <laughs> I laugh about this now, but I swore to myself that I would not teach tango when I started it because I was just kind of tired of the fact that I was ending up teaching everything I learned. I, by that point, I was teaching yoga, I was teaching meditation, I was teaching art and painting and art history, and it was like so much teaching, and I just wanted to do something that I didn't really have to know as a teacher. So tango was that thing for me. But eventually, I was in a relationship with another tango dancer which is a great story for another time. And when we were together, he was very ambitious. And I, at that point, you know, I wasn't super ambitious. I was, I was just really into dancing socially and making friends, but he was a very serious dancer. And because we were in a relationship, it elevated my relationship to tango and made it more serious as well. And what I noticed was that when 
we would have arguments during practice time, which was a lot of times. It was pretty much almost every time there was some sort of a conflict or a fight. I ended up in this place a lot where I knew from all of my years of experience in body mechanics and teaching yoga, and by that point, you know, I already had a lot of this expertise. I did not know how to explain to him why he was wrong. <laughs> so he, we would have these arguments, and he would say, you know, it's supposed to be like this, and you need to be doing this. And I'd be like, but no, I just know that this is not right, but I didn't know why. I didn't understand it well enough to be able to stand up for myself and have an equal kind of a conversation of equals. I always felt like the leaders were in this place of explaining something to me that I was not capable of understanding myself. And it was maddening. It was so frustrating. I'm sure that you could relate to that feeling. I'm sure you've experienced this if you started out as a follower. So this is how I felt for many years. Um, so even though I was an advanced dancer and I already, you know, I could dance with a lot of different people, a lot of different levels. So it wasn't the level that was a problem and I, I knew the movement physically, but I really didn't feel that I really understood it in order to be able to impart to another person what it really is. So the dark continued. And I wish I could tell you that all of it was solved by me starting to lead, because maybe you think that's where I'm going with this, right? That once I started leading, it became easy because I understood it from the leading perspective. Sure, there's an aspect to this, yes, but actually, no, it actually was terrifying in a whole different way and frustrating in a whole different way. For one, being a woman and walking into a class where I insist that I'm going to lead, even though there's a shortage of women and men are looking at you, expecting you to follow just because, you know, you're a woman. So that, that part of it is, of course, difficult on its own. But I discovered that I am total crap when it comes to memorizing sequences. I cannot, for the life of me, <laughs> remember most of the patterns that I learn in class. Like somebody shows me a pattern, I understand it right then, I can practice it seamlessly, I can get it. By the end of the class, I'm doing it with everyone, it's totally there, and then the next day, I wake up and it's gone. Maybe it's not gone, maybe it's somewhat there, but I would say that only about 5% of what I learned in class ever actually made it to the dance floor for me socially. And so I ended up spending a lot of time just going to classes and basically having nothing <laughs> to show for it. I just couldn't retain it. So eventually I stopped. I stopped going to group classes um, because I just didn't want to s waste any more money. And the other difficult part about going to group classes is that 
the level that you will be practicing with is very unpredictable. So uh, a lot of times you're switching partners, so it might work with someone and it might not work with someone else. And if you're both beginners, it's like the blind leading the blind, you know, you're really reliant on the teacher to show you. And when there's 30 students in the class and only one teacher, there's only so much that can be given, you know, to you. So I stopped going to class, but I didn't stop learning, right? And eventually I got to a place where my dance had evolved enough that I started getting compliments from people and people started asking me how I learned. And I almost was embarrassed to tell them that, no, actually, I don't practice. I don't do any kind of drills. I, I don't study the music. I don't go to class. I don't take privates. Like, it really was that I was just dancing. I was just dancing. I was dancing a lot. And I was dancing with all sorts of different people. And I kind of was just figuring things out on the dance floor in the moment without any kind of dedication outside of that. And little by little, um, I started believing people who told me that I was good. I actually was like, hmm, maybe, maybe there's something there. So I started asking myself questions about, like, what, how, did I, how did I improve without really having any time in class? How do I know these sequences that I do now when nobody ever taught them to me as in a class setting? And so this is what eventually led me to realize that I think that it's not really about the difficulty of tango, per se, but it's really about the teaching methodology that we have inherited from people, dancers who came before us. And I, I believe, this is, of course, my opinion, my humble opinion, that our teaching models are outdated and they make things very difficult for people. It, they make it very difficult for dancers to progress at a rate that they could be progressing if they had what they really needed. And so what is it that they really need, right? That's the question. Maybe we can banter about that offline because I'm really curious what you think about that. But here's what I'll share with you that I believe we need as dancers in order to progress at a rate that we're totally capable of where we can progress within months, not years, you know? Of course, tango is vast and mysterious and you can spend the rest of your life getting more and more subtle and studying the intricacies of it. But in order to have a functional understanding of tango, where you can explain it to someone else and you can actually teach it to someone else, the basics, the basics, right? I'm not talking about complex stuff. I think that level can be accessed very quickly uh, for people. And how do I know this? Well, uh, for a long time it was just theory, but eventually last year, at the, uh, in the fall of last year, in, in September, I started a women's practica Chicas del Tango, this is a practica that I hold weekly on Tuesdays at my house in Los Angeles. And 
I had a particular question that I wanted to explore and to see if I took followers, women who already know the following role, or women who don't know anything of tango, so either beginner in tango or beginner in leading, and have a practica that had a, a particular format, what would happen and how fast would they integrate the new information. I was not disappointed. I'll tell you, I am riveted and inspired on a weekly basis to see how fast the students have been integrating this stuff that took me years to understand and how their confidence it has increased so much and their dance has improved so much just within months so i i do believe that there's something here that that we as a global community of tango dancers can learn and can implement so that not only does the level of dancer existing dancers um, improve right we want improvement across the board we want everybody to be better dancers tomorrow than they are today but also to make it easier for new dancers to come in to make it more accessible and doing that by I would say redefining or finding a new way of describing tango instead of saying to someone tango is so hard you know which is such a common thing to say because we've had such a hard time learning it instead to be able to say tango is so fun and it takes a few months to learn and you're going to be dancing nonstop the rest of your life like like that's it like make it that easy so I think it's possible I don't think it's a crazy idea I think it's just a matter of slightly changing our approach to teaching to passing on the information and really being aware that the learning process is a process that requires certain considerations. So here's what I have implemented in my practicas that has really helped my students to advance so quickly and so easily. So the first thing is I don't have an agenda for the practica. I don't have a sequence that I want to teach. I don't have a curriculum that by a certain amount of time my students are supposed to know such and such figures. I invite everybody in the first hour of the practica is just dancing. No instruction, no talking. I mean, there's talking, but you know, just kind of whatever, bantering, not like, not that I'm trying to explain some sort of concept. So the first hour is just switching and dancing and even if I have a person who comes in and they don't know anything about leading, I just show them the basic walk and off they go. And that's what they're practicing. Then the second hour starts with about a 15 to 20 minute 
lesson that's based on what the students are asking. So my not having an agenda doesn't mean I don't teach anything. It's that I wait to hear the questions. What are the questions that the students want to find answers to right now? Not what I believe is important for them to know right now, which is very seductive, you know, as teachers, we have this whole plethora, this tapestry of information that we want to make sure we, we impart. And we kind of get carried away with our own agenda. But a lot of times it's not time for the student to know that particular piece. They are somewhere else. They just need to know this little, this, this, you know, this little piece that you didn't even think was important. So, so that's another thing that the second part is that I keep the lesson very short, 15 to 20 minutes, and I do it as an answer to the questions that are arising with the whole group. And then the rest of the time, once again, is spent dancing and implementing these new concepts, whatever that concept was, to the dance to see how it works with different people. So that ratio, I think, is much better than coming in and focusing on primarily having instruction through verbal delivery and then testing it for a few minutes at a time with somebody, which has been what I've experienced as a student. And when I asked my students, I did a little poll among my students what they considered to be their learning method, their, their learning style. It's not surprising, 80% of them said tactile and physical, right? So we really learn through touch. We learn through moving with each other. We, I don't think, are wired to learn patterns the way they are a lot of times taught because I think it's just using a different part of the brain. I've noticed it so often that I'll have a pattern in my head that I can then execute in that moment, but when I'm dancing at the milonga, that pattern is not available. Like, I cannot find it in my head. And I think it's because we're in very different parts of the brain when we're dancing versus when we are thinking and uh, conceptualizing. So the other part of it, um, the other part that I think is really important for the learning journey is what I call the three M's. I divide all of my information that I have to offer as a teacher into three main categories. And I believe that these three categories have to be there from the very start of the learning journey for a student. And unfortunately, only one of them, one of these three categories, really gets into our beginner state of mind when we first start, and we pick up the other ones later. And the three categories are movement, mindset, and musicality. So the movement part is the one that we learn, and that's considered to be the most important one. That's the tango, right? That's the actual dance. But without the other two, the mindset and the musicality, 
it does not move that the tango doesn't move beyond just being a set of movements that is learned in a sequence in order to understand what tango actually is uh, on many levels you have to know musicality you have to understand the music you have to be able to um, recognize the orchestra and identify the orchestras you know and I still find that 99% of followers do not recognize orchestras and do not think that it's useful and most of the leaders that I dance with too don't recognize orchestras does it make them a worse dancer absolutely not it's not like I'm saying that you have to know um, who the orchestras are to be a good dancer but it's useful and it's useful for different things musicality also encompasses actually being able to recognize the different ways the styles of music impact your body and how those styles interact with other people's bodies and how to choose which orchestra to dance with which dancer because each dancer has a particular orchestra that they work with really well and other orchestras that they might not dance very well and to know that is quite an empowering uh, tool that makes your journey into the social dance world much smoother and much easier to navigate as a beginner if you have that those tools and then the mindset is what happens in between the lines right what happens before after the tanda in the middle of the tanda how to think about your dance how to talk about your dance how to take a compliment how to make a compliment you know so much of our mindset as tango dancers is kind of this um, negative and judgmental view of our dance always putting ourselves down there's very few dancers that I've talked to who feel really good about their dance but the ones who do I mean they're they're like at another level to feel good about your dance is almost like an intensity uh, a particular spice that is layered into the recipe that is your tango it's such a beautiful uh, quality to dance with a dancer who really enjoys their movement feels good about their body and feels e an ease about who they are so these three qualities the mindset the movement the musicality they're kind of like these three little gears always turning always turning and when you have an environment where you can practice all three then those little gears turning 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 adds up it adds up very quickly exponentially so even though you might not practice every day in terms of movement but you add in listening to the music learning about the music or you layer in talking about tango and having conversations with DJs or with other dancers or practicing um, certain focus techniques of how to tune your mind when you're dancing you know all of these things begin to add up and in a very short period of time it's inevitable it's like you can't even predict 
when it's going to happen. It's just going to become that state where suddenly you find yourself where the questions that were very big and confusing and you didn't understand become easy and you know it. You understand what it is. Like, what is cross system? <laughs> As a follower, I remember I was like, what is this mysterious phrase, cross system, you know? Um, so <laughs> eventually, you know, it's hard to explain cross system, but you have to feel it. You have to feel it physically. Then you understand what it is. Anyway, you can tell I can talk about this forever. This is just kind of the, I'm scratching the surface, and I'm just describing some of these insights that I've had recently within my own classes, but I'm sure there's so much to add to that. I'm sure a lot of you have fantastic ideas, especially those of you in the body, movement, mechanics world, dance backgrounds. Um, so, and that's maybe my other thought um, in terms of the big picture that makes, that makes my approach a little bit different and that I hope more people will subscribe to, and that is to, to really think of ourselves as serious dancers, not just as people who happen to dance, but to treat ourselves as dancers, like the way dancers have been training and, and growing in the world of ballet and, I don't know, flamenco, and, you know, there's this seriousness about respecting the, yourself as the, as the artist. And um, a lot of the a lot of the dancers that I've met, they they feel so bad about themselves and they feel like they, they I, I mean, even I, I, I didn't allow myself to describe myself as a dancer until a few years ago. It was so hard because I was like, no, no, I wasn't trained as a ballet dancer, so I don't get to call myself a dancer. But really that's like what we're doing is a real serious, sophisticated, fun thing that is quite amazing. And the fact that we can even do it is incredible. So I have this um, desire to impart to everybody who comes to my classes that when they're coming in, they're coming in as a dancer and I respect my students as dancers in their own right. It's not that they are, they don't have their technique or they don't know this or they don't know that. Like. Even if they can just walk, that's their dance then. They do not need to be anything more. Their dance is the walk. And if they have two moves under their belt, well, then they can dance those two moves. So to impart this notion that when people come in, even as beginners, even if they've never had any kind of tango, they're coming in as dancers and to hold them up to that standard and get them used to being respected that way and being described that way, that you are already a dancer, an amazing dancer in your own right. You have the potential, you have the, the tools, and you can do it, right? You're already there in a way. So, oh, I think I've uh, unlocked a lot of different things here. I, I could see myself going for another hour on this topic, but I'm going to wrap it up. And I'm just going to share with you guys one more, one more little bit, and that is the online learning, which is a new frontier. And I know a lot of you are like, meh, meh. 
online. Online is not the same as in person. Online is not as authentic. It's not as meaningful. It's not this or that. So I know that that is a mindset. I was of the same exact mindset pre-COVID. Okay, pre-COVID, I definitely did not believe in any kind of beneficial, meaningful uh, learning that can be generated online. However, COVID really changed things. And I found myself learning so much through online resources that I had access to that people started putting up. I frequently say that I've learned more about tango music in the last couple of years than I did in all of my years before that, just because suddenly I didn't have to go to Buenos Aires to study with Horacio Godoy. I could take a musicality seminar with him, which I am doing again now for the third time. It's incredible to have that access. So I know the value that is available uh, to further our path, further our learning. And so Chicas del Tango is also, in addition to Practica, is also an online school that I'm building. It's an online school and it's a community. And my goal is to build a library of courses on some of the main tango topics and uh, vocabulary and technique to provide musicality training, which actually works really beautifully online, much better than in person in some ways, because you can do it at your own pace and you control the, the timing of taking the information in, you can take breaks. It, it, it makes a difference. And you have the community aspect of it. I imagine a, a community of hundreds and thousands of women from around the world as part of this online school. And in this way, to provide support to those of you who are remote, you might not live close to teachers and you are hungry for information you're hungry for connection you're hungry to to talk to others to bounce ideas off to get feedback um, to have kind of an ongoing touch point throughout the week throughout the month where you're stimulated you're inspired you you have that sense of growth that we want to have as as dancers as learners so this is for you, honestly. I've, I've met so many people in my dance years who are like, oh, I wish you were coming here. Oh, I wish you lived there. Oh, I wish I lived here. Because they, they've, you know, excited about studying with me. So I, I thought, gosh, I want to be able to work with all these people ongoing. You know, I want to build that relationship. I want to cultivate that community. Uh, and to establish something long-term, something that can be a hub for generations of dancers to come. So this is a very um, exciting and a special evolution in my own education uh, journey. And I hope that some of you 
take advantage of it and check it out. You can find all the details at imsotango.com. I made it real easy, just that same, that same brand name, I'm So Tango. Uh, so check it out. And if you have questions, you can reach out to me. But um, I hope you enjoyed this particular banter. And I hope it, it opened up some things for you. And maybe you have some, some bones to pick with me or some ideas to throw my way. And I welcome all of that. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll chat next week. I hope you have a great one. Ciao.